So hi, Andy. Welcome back to the show. You had uh, some discussion topics you would like to discuss with me about Java testing and um, you had a survey going on. So um, why are you so interested in testing right now? Hey, Adam. Uh, thanks for having me back. So I was looking at the way that um, we test Java EE and microprofile applications, and I've been looking at some of the ways that um, other frameworks out there do testing and provide a testing experience to their users. Um, and I was basically just noticing a gap there, um, some room for improvement. So I just kind of wanted to put out a survey and get some feelers out for um, what people are having trouble uh, testing with, where where we think uh, the testing experience can be improved, and if there's like certain areas of testing that we want to focus on. Because um, I know a lot of people, you know, if testing is too hard, it makes, you know, the consequence of that can in some cases be in a worst case scenario that our users just don't have tests at all. Uh, and that ends up with, you know, that that's not a good situation to end up in. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I always filled out your survey, but then stopped. Because, uh, the reason was I wondered myself, you know, uh, w what kind of testing uh, you are asking for. And uh, there were questions like, you know, what's about the uh, performance of tests? And uh, from my background, um, so testing is a huge in um, en enterprise companies in, in Europe. And they are interesting in, so the companies are interesting in stats, statistics, code coverage. And developers are uh, interested in providing the stats. And uh, some reasonable projects are just, you know, interested in good software, but... Um, Yep. And uh, the um, yeah, and uh, why I was a little bit confused because, um, as you probably know, so you know larger projects they uh, such a project comprise comprises uh, people from different companies and they working together, and what's most important thing is to define the terms. So what I usually do um, is t um, to pick some common definitions. Uh, usually Wikipedia, because it's uh, accessible and you don't have to read a book, you know, to understand the definition. And what I found is basically you have unit tests, integration tests, stress tests, and system tests. These are the um, different tests I know. And, uh, yeah, and um, we can walk through all the tests and I can tell you what, what I'm doing in projects and where the confusion usually is. And there is a lot of confusion. And then, yeah, you can ask me a question, whatever you like. So sounds good? Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so I guess just off the bat, I'll address your um, confusion with the the type of testing. And really, I was just, um, I'm looking at testing as a whole, right? Um, so when we take a step back from testing, I think the reason why we write tests ultimately boils down to developer confidence, you know? It doesn't matter how many test cases you have, how long they run for, what percent of code coverage you have. I think the primary reason why we should write tests is so that developers can have confidence that if they make a code change or if they change something in the system, then they can you know, kind of sleep well at night knowing that their changes aren't going to suddenly break in production or they're not causing a, a functional regression. Um, so the main thing that I'm looking at now is with the survey especially is just 
ways to improve that confidence and where that confidence is lacking. So it could it could be anything. It could be unit tests, integration tests, and system tests. Yeah, you're right about the confidence, but uh, I mean, it is really ha it's really hard to be completely confident whether it works or not. Um, I, I'm actually using the test also, of course, for regressions, for future regressions, because actually. If you if you're working on software right now, I'm pretty confident, or you are pretty confident that the software is working. The problem is only if you know don't work at this project several months or years, they come back, then you are no more that confident. So having a test is is a great vehicle to reassure your or you know rekindle your confidence, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think yeah, and uh, the productivity for me is is a huge one. To give you an example, right now I'm working on, on a tool which I will probably release as an open source, um, and this and this tool will just create in an easy way JSON web tokens. And in order to have a JSON web token, you will have to have public and private keys generated, and um, so prior unit tests and and and, te and unit testing. What I would do is, uh, let's say, in the year 90, 1996, I would write lots of main methods. Which will just invoke pieces of uh, piece uh, or slices of the software just to you know to see some some subsystems working. And right now, um, I, I wrote uh, three classes, and I will just write unit tests in order you know to to see whether the public and private keys are generated into the right folder, whether the folder meets my expectations. Otherwise, so for me, it is it is faster to write a unit test and see what happens. Then you know, uh, uh, think uh, longer about you know how the passage should be and and what the idea behind. Yeah, definitely. There's there's certainly a, a time and a place for for unit tests for yeah. sure. And um, so in 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 my uh, let's say commercial projects, the unit tests, integration tests are less important, and the most important tests are so-called system tests, and uh, they are mostly ignored in projects because these tests uh, do not generate usually any stats. So the uh, code coverage could be gathered, but usually it isn't. So uh, most projects ignore this test, which is almost criminal in microservice environments. But uh, so what these tests are is, uh, imagine you have a resource which uh, with several um, and uh, let's say get post and put delete methods and it, it exposes JSON. So you would write another module and this module will comprise a Jaxores 2x client or microprofile client and will call from outside the service. So it is replacement of Postman or curl and uh, we are using this to speed up productivity but you get a real regression and you can measure the backward compatibility of microservice API or REST APIs. So this is the, the, the most important uh, part or, uh, or, or category of tests, which are usually start with in microservice environments. So this is what I will do. And in order to run this test, so how this usually work is locally, you have a local server running and your system test will access the server locally. And let's say in a cloud-like environment, Kubernetes or OpenShift, we have a Jenkins pipeline, which will deploy the microservice in a production-like environment, verify whether it is up, and then 
run the tests against the microservice. Yeah, that sounds uh, definitely, I think, for starting off a project, just having that one system test um, is super important just to make sure that everything works as in, in the most bare bones sense. And then as you continue to add new features, just build incrementally on it. Yeah. And this is um, almost like test-driven because you are forced to consider your own API from outside. So you are not, you know, you are you are writing the the test almost. Uh, you start with the unit test and then you're writing the resource. And then you also can, you know, you have to think twice how your REST API looks like. So you are forced to increase the quality. So you are the, your own user of your own API. Yeah, I'm a big fan of test-driven development. That's one thing that we um, practice a lot internally at WebSphere for testing out Open Liberty, uh, the runtime itself. Uh, and it's it's just, I'm a big fan of it because we don't have the problem of a bunch of test debt. Um, so if you can be writing tests for your code uh, and delivering them in parallel. It doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter if the de developer writes the tests or the product code uh, first, but just so that they're delivered together. So you're not delivering untested product code. Exactly. Um, so I think that's the, the super whole, important. The whole discussion, whether the test is first, last, or in between, I really don't care. So don't be dogmatic, but uh, to have a good coverage for the system test is crucial. And yeah, um, but with that, a small hack, what we do, we run the application server in a code coverage mode. This is the, the first hack. And what Open Liberty could do, for instance, is to provide an easy configuration, just ship with Jacker Core or something. So it could run in Jacker Core mode. I mean, it's not a big deal. Usually, you just set up the Jacker Core agent in, uh, um, yeah, and, and, and start the server. But the cool story is if you have your system tests, uh, it, they are executed against the uh, REST API. Your code coverage is supposed to be pretty high because you went through the you no know, happy path through your applications. I would say you could achieve out of the box 60, 70, or even 80% of code coverage. And the question is, what about the 20% of remaining uh, untested uh, path? And uh, usually what happens is forgotten code. So what we do is we delete or we use code coverage with system tests to identify that code. Yeah, and I think if you're, um, I think code coverage is great for determining that you're covering all the error paths um, properly. Because I agree, like yeah, if you just do one system test, you're probably going to hit seventy to eighty percent of your code path, um, depending on how much error handling code you have, but that last 10 to 20% can, it can be pretty tricky to cover in a system test environment. But even so, um, I think it's, it's still doable. Like for, um, what my team does in IBM is we, we still write, um, we write integration or system level tests, even for our error path scenarios to make sure that that works properly. Um, and then instead of what we do there is since sometimes they do take a bit longer to run is we categorize them into basically two different running modes, like a fast and a longer test running mode. So the, the fast test run mode uh, runs with, you know, every change. That's what people run by default. And then we have the more longer running uh, test mode that executes kind of like on a once every three days basis. Um, but those tests are still just as important. If they, if they do fail, they're just as important as any of the other tests. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, in projects, it's a little bit different. So the system tests are crucial, but they run last. And before the system tests, we have unit and integration tests. And the unit integration tests, they are uh, almost just for productivity reasons. So almost, it really depends on the project. So most of the projects are a better database browsers, not like, you know, we are writing hugely complicated enterprise systems. Usually we just, you know, accessing external systems, fetching some data and exposing the data via REST. And in this particular cases, we don't have a lot of complex code. And uh, so what it means is we are only writing unit tests for non-trivial methods. So actually for getters and setters, it is forbidden to write unit tests. And um, so therefore, we don't have a very high unit test coverage. For instance, we wouldn't test JSONB data transfer objects, for instance. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, so code coverage unit test is pretty low in my projects because only complex complex code is tested. And integration tests, what we do then is we launch, for instance, the entity manager in the unit tests with, uh, let's say, Eclipse Link or Hibernate behind the scenes with uh, a dedicated persistence XML. And this, uh, and this, uh, so we boot the Eclipse link just to test, you know, the persistence name queries and so forth. Or in project where we have just the bin validation, so we just launch the bin validation without the server. And only in rare cases, we test the CDI dependency injection. And the reason for that is we usually don't have a lot of qualifiers, alternatives, and specializes in uh, business code. So usually we have you no. Know, just plain at inject without any interfaces. This is like, you know, 80% or even 90% of microservice code. So, you know, testing whether the dependency injection works or not is pointless. So, therefore, uh, in business projects, we actually never use Archelion. Yep. So, yeah, that's an interesting, interesting point you touched on there with the mocking up the, you know, the entity manager or the bean validation or, or whatever. Um, not, not even mock, I, mocking out. So what you do, so you would start, let's say, a control, a class, which has injected entity manager, and mm-hmm. you would create your own entity manager with persistence create entity manager factory dot create entity manager. So you get yep. one, and it will just set it, you know. So you get a real one, not a mocked out one, but probably with, you know, different database or something like that. Yeah, and I guess it's, you're, you're right. It is a real entity manager. It's not being mocked out. Um, I was thinking about it more in the sense that it's not true to the exact code that will be running on when you deploy your application to, say, an application server. Um, there can be very minor differences there, such as if you have different things on your class path or if you're using, uh, uh, you know, version uh, one, two, three of a library, but the application server is using version one, two, four, uh, and there might be you know a slight bug fix or behavior difference in that situation. You are right. So oh. what do you usually? So, so it's, there's a very small risk there, but yeah. Yeah, but you are right. So what what you have to do is really you you have to look into your application manager which exact version of Eclipse Link Hibernate or whatever is used, and I, I try to use the same. Uh, what already happened was we used a newer. Um, newer version of Eclipse Link, and back then Glassfish had an older one, and we didn't have that problem during integration tests, but the application server had that problem. And uh, so since then, it was uh, ten years ago or five years ago, we uh, so we 
exa looking exactly at the version which is used. But you're right. Yep. There's some, you know, some additional, I would say, effort uh, going on at the beginning of the project. Yes. Yeah, and I, just to, uh, I guess, touch on that topic a little bit more. In getting back to the survey I put out, um, I asked one of the questions there was, uh, you know, if you don't have maximum 10 out of 10 confidence in your automated tests, uh, what factors are causing that lack of confidence? And by far, the number one response that was the number one factor um, that was impeding developer confidence in their tests was the tests we have do not accurately, accurately represent how our um, application behaves in production. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that, that I'm trying to look at uh, currently, um, seeing how we can close those gaps. So like what you're doing, uh, trying to see what version of what library the application server is using, that's a great step. But I, I'm still concerned about that small gap in you know behavior difference that could be there um, and kind of looking at ways to, to close that gap. Absolutely. The um, I would say so far, we would be pretty confident that it would work. So I, I would say um, it, it would work. The, the next problem you have, you get, is stress tests. And they are also completely ignored. So mm -hmm. uh, what usually happens is the system tests are reused. So we are just, you know, as what I'm doing, I'm just taking the JaxOS client. So this is one of the reasons why I never used libraries like, for instance, REST Assured for system tests because they cannot be as easily reused. So my JaxOS system test is just uh, taken. I just re uh, delete all the asserts and package that, for instance, with JMH, Java Micro Benchmark, Harness, yep. and then they're, they're, they're producing a massive load. So I'm bombarding the application server with requests. And then we are fetching via REST, via the micro profile metrics, we are fetching the metrics and uh, we try to find out or try to find out whether the threshold is actually met. And uh, with that, at least you, you will see whether your application server is properly configured. So, you know, the thread pulls and so forth. And usually if your application breaks, it's because most of the application servers go into production with default settings. And no one has an idea know how it really behaves. There's no thread pulls configured, no timeouts configured, nothing. And uh, I would say 20% of my work is to find such such problems. Okay. Yes, I think you're right. Stress tests do get uh, ignored a lot. And I think it's it's really difficult to do proper stress testing because uh, you know, to do to do a proper stress test environment, you really kind of need to have a pristine, dedicated machine to run performance, or at least a machine that's not busy doing a bunch of other work. For example, if you have your app and you plug it into a, you know, a Travis CI CD pipeline, um, you're probably not getting, you know, and that can be a free pipeline mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of projects. Uh, you're probably not getting the best hardware. It probably doesn't have the best performance or even reliable performance. Um, so in those situations, I think it's really hard to, um, to have developers write stress tests because there's no, clear and consistent platform that they can use today for running those stress tests. Um, like what we, what we do in, in, uh, in IBM 
for the team I work on is we have a, a dedicated performance team that will kind of just continually consume our drivers that we're producing and they'll run, you know, stress tests on their special machines that are, uh, you know, on bare metal and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but but, but in, not not every team can do that. No, but in your case, you would like to have realistic performance and my case is less, you know, like load tests and more like torture tests. We just would like to see whether the project breaks. So we are not sticking too long. So you're building a product and we are we are in projects. So the projects in one point are almost over. So they are in maintenance phase or they are just, you know, very little adjustments to the business logic. It's not like you're, you know, the, the, the cadence or the number of features remains the same. In one point of time, time is almost done. And um, so we just would like to see whether the project will break in which load it can actually sustain. That This is the main reason we are doing this. And with Kubernetes or OpenShift environments, it is fairly easy. So usually we have a Jenkins pipeline, and the Jenkins comprises uh, the master and slave. And you can say, okay, the slave is for stress tests, and you can request two CPUs or or four, whatever you need, and memory. And then you get a pod, and uh, you get you know you can generate enough load to see whether your application break or not. And what I would like to see is you know how how the server handles 503s are there enough jdbc connections in the pool or jms connections and uh, what about parallel behavior and how much traffic one one node can actually handle yeah okay yeah that's uh, that's uh, a good distinction to make so i was talking more performance testing and you're talking stress testing there yeah. so on the topic of stress testing have you ever tried out uh there's a library out there called ToxyProxy. I think it was Hotels.com put out a interesting blog about it. Um, but basically, what it does is it um, at the the TCP layer of a system, it can simulate network latency, you know, cut connections, things like that. ToxyProxy, no, never. But this seems like an interesting project, so I'm writing it down. Put it to show notes. Uh... And, yeah. and you are already pretty pretty far. Uh, in my project, I'm really you know I, I'm I'm fighting for the GMH. And you 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 said developers the the problem in projects is not that the uh, developers or contractors more like you know the people who hire the developers because for unknown reasons they are they just would like to see high code coverage, and uh, the code coverage comes just with unit tests. And so everyone writes you know J unit tests like crazy. And uh, they are pointless, so no, no kidding. So the developers writing unit tests for getters, setters. Uh, recently, I saw unit tests for enums, and they enumerated yeah. all the values, then constructors to see you know, whether the constructors are working properly, and this is completely pointless. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think if you have management-directed code coverage numbers that developers have to hit, I think that's really a failure of management um, cause I, in my opinion, code coverage is important to a certain extent. Um, but if you're measuring it, you know, using it as a metric that must be met is about as useless as measuring lines of code delivered by a developer or number of commits delivered by a developer. Um, it's, it can be so subjective and trying to get to some arbitrary number is just, it's, um, you know, developers are smart. They're going to game the system, uh, 
in in one way or another, and it's not going to result in a higher quality product. Exactly. Um, and at recent uh, podcast with James Wilson, and he had an um, interesting point that he made an interesting point uh, and said that uh, the code coverage was great at the very beginning of the extreme programming because it it was like you know gaming. Uh, um, gaming point you know to 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 move developers to to write unit tests at all so the code coverage was great you know to see how many tests you've wrote but right now they are pointless basically yeah and, and i think one thing it causes is over basic i think having too many unit tests can be a problem in the sense that you're testing the implementation of an application not the behavior of it so the only thing that your end user cares about is does the application behave correctly? Mm -hmm. and, and, and they and, don't care how you implement that. Yeah. And Go ahead. This is perfect what you said because uh, this is exactly what happens. It's like if you if you consider, you know, a resource which with injected facade. So a Jack source resource is almost no implementation. And I saw unit tests where the resource, let's say, you know, 300 lines of code and the unit test 5,000 because... No, everything is mock out the response and so forth, and they are measuring in the unit test, or they are verifying or asserting in unit tests how often you know the header method was or headers object was invoked, which is absolutely pointless because if you change something in the in the production code, you will have to rewrite all the unit tests, which is really bad for productivity and 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 and, and maintenance hell. Yep, that's that's exactly what I was going to say next. Is that too many unit tests causes it? It actually becomes impossible, or it significantly increases the cost of refactoring an application. Mm -hmm. um, if you, a developer should be able to refactor an application in whatever way makes the most sense to them, uh, as long as they're not, you know, altering the external behavior of that application. As long as the inputs and outputs remain unchanged, they can do whatever they want with yeah. the internals code. And if, if they have to, you know, rewrite 100 unit tests every time they try to refactor a class, um, they're just going to stop refactoring and, and stop, you know, cleaning up code smells and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and back to your survey. So, um, I would say in, in, let's say, complex project, we will have several hundred unit tests and they will run in seconds because everything is mock out and they would run first. The next yep. wa wave are uh, integration tests with the entity manager so persistence and they could run slower because um, I don't like to use uh, embedded databases. They behave usually differently to the to the real databases. So let's say um, we're using Postgres or uh, yeah or Elastic or whatever on in the cloud. So uh, what we sometimes do, even we use port forward, you know, to use a real data, not real, production-like database in dev stage or int stage, integration stage, um, and have uh, almost real behavior, which is a little bit slower. So in the integration test can take minutes. And the system test, it really depends on the system and what the system is doing, but they can be slower. But the cool story is uh, with this sorting, the unit tests come first, and they are the most of the tests. Then the integration tests, uh, the viewer tests, and the system tests come last. So if you are working, so you sh if the unit tests break, you don't have to wait because it's a, a, a dedicated stage in the Jenkins pipeline until the integration or system test kicks in. So it's fairly productive. So um, and and how slow the whole thing is, it really depends on the app. This is really hard to tell. 
But um, for my current app, this is like, you know, uh, a simple microservice. It's really simplistic. But the whole pipeline takes with uh, deployment on uh, Kubernetes, a server startup deployment, and you, all the tests and stress tests is, uh, takes 40 seconds like the smoke tests. So the whole pipeline takes around five minutes. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And I think that makes total sense putting your shorter tests uh, first. One of the things I was attempting to get at with my survey, um, talking about test run times, uh, is pairing those results with what gives you the most confidence. So one of the other questions is, what gives you more confidence, uh, unit tests or integration level tests? And so far, the responses have been about 75% of developers say their integration tests give them more confidence than unit tests. So that really wasn't a very surprising uh, response to get, but it kind of confirmed confirmed my theory. Um, and it shows that uh, integration tests are really do more for us in the sense of uh, the the, the true purpose why we're writing tests, which is developer confidence, uh, and unit tests are mainly there as a you know a, a quickly running, easy to write uh, test. So one of the things I'm looking at is trying to kind of blur the lines between uh, those two types of testing. So you know what if we could have integration tests that uh, do run are as easy to write as unit tests or as you know run as quickly as unit tests. Uh, then we could, I think, get some some really interesting test suites out there. Yeah, and and, and then developers wouldn't have to choose uh, between you know unit tests or integration tests or system tests. Yeah, but uh, it really depends on the application. So, um, one project which I uh, can open source, but I don't have actually time for it. But um, uh, was uh, was a commercial project, but now I'm, I'm I'm able to open source that. And what it was is it. Uh, it is a Java E uh, uh, microservice which uses Google's Firefox's and uh, Microsoft's the push notification gateways and uh, uh, sends messages which they uh, appear as desktop notifications on on uh, PC or mobile phones, and uh, there was a quite a lot um, encryption involved. Um, and uh, I was actually, I, I started with system tests, but it was really hard for me because I did lots of mistakes at the beginning with base 64 encoding and all the stuff. And only with unit tests, I was actually able to implement the application at all because I I just uh, look at the specification and then wrote, you know, a small test for uh, for the encryption and then and then build the application bottom up until I've wrote the first system test. But this is an absolute exception from the rule. All other projects with Java E, you get so much out of Java E. So everything is simplistic, like, you know, um, object relational mapping, and we get everything for free. So you can absolutely start with a system test. Yep, for sure. Yeah, there's there's always exception cases. So that's why I always avoid saying always and never. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it's good. One thing that I like to look at is the 80% rule. So if uh, if it works 80, in 80% of, of cases, then it's a... Uh, is probably a good, you know, default opinion to have. But what would be cool, actually? So, so talking with you right now. So, if let's say the application server would code uh, will will come with, uh, let's say, code coverage mode or test mode, and then I could uh, um, fetch the code coverage via an endpoint like metrics, right? So I could have an, uh, let's say, uh, endpoint called coverage. I could hit that after the tests. 
and I would get a JSON-like structure which tells me no 80% were tested and this packages and the code coverage for each package. Yeah, that would that would be really cool actually. This would be this is actually this would be this is a unique feature. So if you like, we can stop recording so you could start with hacking on that for Open Liberty. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but this but but this would be actually because then you know after the unit test you could even automate this and see uh, I'm um, I'm actually testing in this package, and if uh, the the threshold is less than fifty percent. I am I'm just stop and my my pipeline will will stop working. So this would be actually a nice feature. Yeah, definitely. There's there's probably a patent in there somewhere. Yeah, the the uh the library Jacoco, uh it it this is uh it, it works. The problem only is it it writes a binary file like jacoco.exec and it's only available after the server is uh, stopped. And uh, it would be nice to have, you know, uh, a, a, a ASCII representation of the results there. So you could you could read the results without be without loading this into an IDE. But right. this would be a nice and open source project, actually. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the uh, I'm not sure how involved he is, but one actually one of the former uh, developers of WebSphere is actually I, at least I've seen him uh, propose and commit to the Jacoco library. Um, we have to ask maybe. him, so we have to schedule a podcast yeah. with him. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. So, any other questions regarding uh, testing? No, I think we we covered a good amount of material today. So perfect. So uh, thank you, and uh, let's have a chat in a few weeks again about pro- probably complete different topic, or even you know, Jacoco as a service. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me. So thank thank you. Bye. Bye.